Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. of your heart. Interestingly enough, it, it literally says, if you pleasure him, not just if you take pleasure in him, but if you pleasure God, delighting yourself, pleasuring him, then he will pleasure you. He will change the desiring of your heart because the more intimate you get with him, you find the very things you thought were important are not nearly as important. And so as we delight ourselves in him, he gives us the desiring of our heart, that intimate relationship with him. And I sense his presence in this place this morning. Amen? And uh, I'm, I'm not my son, and my son is not me, so you're just going to have to put up with me. It's time for us to do our doctrine and donuts, and we've been doing the... Uh, the core values, as you remember. Uh, there are seven core values that our church has adopted out of a particular passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 through 3. And out of those Scriptures, we develop two major themes. We are a place of hope and a people of promise. And so these values, these core values, are, as Pastor Steve preaches, they are our climate as we establish these core values in this local body, then that is the climate that produces the correct weather. As you know, as he's been saying, if the climate is correct, then the weather is correct. But you can't change the weather without changing the climate. And so these core values are at the basis of the climate of what our church is all about. And as we instill these core values in this local church, in the body of Christ, then they produce the right weather. When they are established, then we become a place of hope and a people of promise. And we become a place where the saints are perfected, where they're led to maturity, where they grow up in Christ. And once God's people are matured or perfected or complete, then they are released into their own ministry. Because each of you have been set in the body of Christ and you have been given a gift that this body needs. And so as you are perfected and matured, you come to discover that gift, to develop it, and to deploy it. You release your ministry. And as we are perfected and released into ministry, then the kingdom, the body of Christ, is edified. It grows up and it expands out to others. And so these are our core values. We prayerfully value Scripture. We prayerfully value generosity. We prayerfully uh, value Pentecost. And we prayerfully value all generations. And so today, we're going to do the next one. Now, I've changed them from the order of the book uh, in order to, to do the ones I feel like were important at the moment. And this one is, we prayerfully value Christ's kingdom. For the concept of the kingdom of God is the single concept that ties all of the rest of Scripture together. It is this concept about the kingdom of Christ or the kingdom of God that ties 
everything else together. And again, we're constrained for time, and so you can write volumes on the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Christ. And so what we're going to try to do is cover just a few of the basics. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, uh, Of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then when you turn to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, uh, one, one translation that I like is uh, the New Living Translation. It says it like this. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And then Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And he says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The thing you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what God's want, then all these other things you need will be given to you. And then there's one last verse in the book of Revelation, chapter 11 and verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And another paraphrase puts it like this. The seventh angel trumpeted, A crescendo of voices in heaven sang out, The kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of our God and his Messiah, and he will rule forever and ever. So what do we mean when we talk about the kingdom of God? So we need to define this term. The the term the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ signifies the entire sphere or the place of where God's rule and action in the relation to the world. In other words, this term signifies that the kingdom of God is that sphere or that place where God's rule, where God is in authority, where God is in dominion, when he is not only a king in residence, but he is a king in rule. He is over all the world. It is the sphere of God's authority, his dominion, his lordship. Isaiah saw it in chapter 6. When he said, I went also into the temple, and I saw also the Lord high and lifted up, seated upon a throne. And the glory of God was filling the sanctuary. And I heard the heavenly being saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. In other words, it is that place where God is in rule. When he is in authority. When he is in lordship. It is that spear in which at any given time his rule is acknowledged. That we acknowledge him as king and acknowledge his rule in our life. So that we become a society upon earth where God's will is as perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything is under the scope of his authority and his kingdom. For thine is the kingdom. 
Everything is under the scope and the dominion of his power. For all dominion and all power is given unto him. And everything is to be done for his glory because he is king. And he is over the kingdom of God. Psalm chapter 22 and verse 28 said, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is governor among the nations. In Psalm 145 and 13 it said, The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. So the kingdom of God is simply that place, that spear, that, that entity where he is recognized as king and in which he rules with dominion and power and authority. But there are distinctives of the kingdom we need to understand. Because you see, in the beginning, he is El or Elohim. He is the strong, the mighty creator God. He is the one that brought cosmos out of chaos. The spirit of the Lord moves upon the face of the deep. And out of what was nothingness and void and without form, God produced creation. He was in authority and power. He was king. He was Lord. It was his kingdom. And he created man in his own image so that man would be under his dominion and authority. But he gives men certain dominion and authority upon earth. And he was constantly and completely in control. And then you know the story. Man rebels because of one man's disobedience. Because one man failed to heed and to hear what God said, sin came into the world. And because of sin, death and death passed upon all men. Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, on earth, the rule of God's authority was broken. And there came a prince of this world. There came another ruler, another authority by the name of Satan. And he rules by the usurping of authority. The, the authority and the dominion didn't belong to him, but he usurps it from Adam because Adam disobeyed God. And so Satan becomes the god or the prince of this world. And he holds sway over men by sin, by temptation, by demonic force, because of rebellion. And the purpose of the king of this world is to kill and to steal and to destroy. That was the state man found himself in. Now, that did not lessen God's rule. That did not let man's rebellion did not change the fact that God is in dominion and power and authority. He is still the king, and he still is over the kingdom. But that circumvented the purpose and the plan of God. And yet God knew what he was going to do. For immediately there comes distinctives in the kingdom. And God begins to give promises and prophecies about what he is going to do to overthrow the rebellion of man and the deceitfulness of the devil. And he begins to make promises uh, like this. In those days shall uh, the, the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. It shall break in pieces and consume all the other kingdoms and it will stand forever. Isaiah said there will come a time when the earth, whole earth will be filled with God's glory. That the, the, the king of glory and his power and dominion will cover the entirety of the earth as the waters cover the sea. He has been given the, the dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all people and nations and tongues will be under his dominion. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and it shall not pass away. And he shall not be destroyed. So the Lord says, I'm going to make another earthly kingdom. I'm already in rule over the heavenly kingdom. And the earthly kingdom has been upset by the sin of man. But I'm going to change it all around. And he begins to prophesy. 
I will send a son. Unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will establish a kingdom. And of that kingdom there will be no end. And he will sit upon the throne of his father David. And he will rule with justice and judgment. And that will endure forever. And God begins to promise he's going to make a new covenant with man. And you know the story how he did that through one man, Abraham. Called him out of the land of the earth of the Chaldees. Began to renew those promises to his sons, Isaac and, and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel. And for a while, that earthly kingdom was established because it was a theocracy. It was a, a, a God ruling as king. And the Lord was over the family of Israel. And he made covenant relationships and promises to them. And they were obeying him. And the kingdom of God in heaven was now reestablished upon earth through one nation. And they were to show forth the glory of God to all the other nations around them. And then you know what happened. Just as Adam rebelled, Israel rebelled. And they fell into sin. And they found, found themselves in Egyptian bondage. But God raises up Moses and delivers them out of that bondage and, and starts them on a journey to a land that he promises. He gives them judges. He gives them earthly kings. And yet constantly they are rebelling against God and sinning in his sight. And so the Lord begins to give promises and prophecies that he is going to set up another kingdom. Not a kingdom through Abraham, but a kingdom through his own dear son Jesus. That there will come a messianic kingdom. That he will send the Messiah. Isaiah sees it in chapter 53 through chapter 63. And he begins to talk about a golden age when the Messiah will come. And he will sit upon the throne of his father David. And he will bring in physical healing and spiritual healing and emotional healing and material healing. And it will be a golden age of blessings and the kingdom of God will actually be upon earth. And all of Israel begin to look forward to that coming kingdom. And not only did he promise it in the Old Testament, but he promised it in the New. For the Bible said, all of a sudden out in the wilderness there came one by the name of John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was representing God the Father. He was representing the heavenly kingdom that God wants to bring to earth. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, because of the remission of your sins. And you will come into the kingdom of heaven, because the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. Oh. But you know what? They rejected John's baptism. Israel turned their back on him. And so the Lord sent his own son. And when Jesus came, what did he do? I read it to you. He went into their synagogues and he preached the good news of the coming kingdom. And he taught them the precepts of that kingdom. And he healed all manner of sickness and disease that was among them. And he said, no man can do these things unless God be with him. And the one that you've hoped for and longed for, I'm here to establish the earthly kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is within your grasp. You can reach out and touch it. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he came to bring the kingdom. And Jesus looked at that nation and said, How often I wanted to gather you as a mother hen would gather her brood so that I could put you under the safety, the security, the salvation of my own wing. And you wouldn't let me. You have eyes, but you don't see. And you have ears, but you did not hear. And you have hearts, but you don't understand. At first they could not believe. Then they would not believe. And he came to his own, but his own received him not. Not only now have they rejected John the Baptist, the, the emissary from the Father. But they've rejected their own king. 
and they crucified him. Took him with wicked hands and crucified him. Oh, but the Lord is still trying to give them the kingdom. So after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, exalted, triumphant, victorious, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high in heaven, he still is working with that nation. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and says, Look, if you'll repent and be baptized, you'll receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, he said, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins might be blotted out, that you can turn around and face God, and he'll wipe your slate clean, and he'll send you seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And then listen to what he said. And he will send unto you Jesus whom the heavens must retain until the restoration of all things. Do you know what Peter's saying? If you as a nation accept the kingdom of heaven, come to earth. If you accept Jesus Christ, your Messiah, if if you took him with wicked hands and crucified him, but God raised him up, but if you repent right now, not only will you receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but he'll send Jesus back to establish that earthly kingdom you wanted. But they rejected They rejected John the Baptist. They rejected their own king. And they rejected Peter and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what did God do? He let the kingdom out to someone else, to us. They were the original olive branch. But they fell because of unbelief. And so he took us Gentiles without hope, without God. We were following dumb idols. We had no hope in the world. We were outside the covenant relationship with God. Are you with me? And when they failed because of their unbelief, he grafted us in. He let the kingdom of heaven out to us. And he said, look, to enter into the kingdom of heaven on earth, what you have to do is to be born again because he has given as many as believe the power to become the sons of God and actually to come into the earthly kingdom of heaven because you're not saved by blood or ancestry and you're not saved by the will of man or the will of the flesh, but you're saved by being born again by the Spirit of God. And if you believe and are baptized, you shall be saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And you'll be adopted into this heavenly kingdom. You'll have access in the beloved. Oh, hallelujah. And so he brought us. He translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And we that were without hope and without God in the world became immediately a part of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven was established in our hearts because Jesus said, my father and I, we will come and make our abode in you. You will become the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the kingdom of God will not be out there, over there, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven will be in your heart and it will be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. And so then he defined for us the distinctive of what this kingdom would look like. You remember with me that Moses in the Old Testament kingdom went to the top of Sinai and received the law and the commandments. And those became the precepts of that Old Testament kingdom. Well, when Jesus came, he goes to the top of the mount and he sits down and gives them Matthew 5, 6, and 7 which corresponds to the giving of the Old Testament law. The Beatitudes, blessed are ye, remember? And in those are the precepts of how this new heavenly kingdom that's in our heart shall operate. Now notice some distinctives. There's two kingdoms going on right now. There's the kingdom of this world, 
and there's the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Satan is the God of this world, but Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Both kingdoms are similar in that you enter into them by a choice. Both have a ruler. Both are characterized by slavery, and both have an eternal destiny. In Satan's kingdom, it's darkness, but in the kingdom of heaven, it's light. In Satan's kingdom, it's bondage, but in the kingdom of our Christ, there's freedom. In Satan's kingdom, there's selfishness, but in God's kingdom, there's love. In Satan's kingdom, there's temporary pleasure and eternal heartaches. But in God's kingdom, there's temporary heartaches, but there's eternal pleasures. Satan's kingdom is pride. God's kingdom is humility. Satan's kingdom is the authority of man's power. In God's kingdom, it's the authority of God's word. In Satan's kingdom, it's carnal, but God's kingdom is righteousness. In Satan's kingdom, it's save your life. In God's kingdom, it's lose your life for his sake and the gospel. In Satan's kingdom, it's achieve greatness. But in God's kingdom, you become the least. In Satan's kingdom, you're the leader. But in God's kingdom, you're the servant. In Satan's kingdom, you exalt yourself. But in God's kingdom, you humble yourself. In Satan's kingdom, you look out for your own interest. But in God's kingdom, you consider your brother. In Satan's kingdom, it's give me. But in God's kingdom, it's you give much. Oh, hallelujah. In Satan's kingdom, love is a feeling and it's conditional. But in God's kingdom, love is a lasting commitment and it is unconditional. In Satan's kingdom, it's hate your enemies. But in God's kingdom, it's love your enemies. In Satan's kingdom, it's retaliate. But in God's kingdom, it's forgive. In Satan's kingdom, it's cover and hide your sins and your mistakes. But in God's kingdom, it's confess your mistakes and receive God's grace. And so God establishes this kingdom of heaven on earth. And that kingdom of heaven on earth is in you. That have believed upon him and accepted his reign, his rule, his authority, his lordship over your life. Amen. Now, you need to understand quickly that in God's kingdom there are three divisions. First of all, there is the invisible kingdom of God. That's the heavenly realm. That's the sphere where God reigns in heaven and throughout eternity. And it includes angels and seraphims and cherubims. He is there with Jesus. For the Bible said Jesus is become the great high priest over the household of God. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he ever lives and reigns to make intercession for you. Now you can't see that. It's invisible. And along with God and Christ and those angelic beings, it includes all the Old Testament saints. For Jesus himself said that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob would go into the kingdom. And they're already there. Because before Jesus ascended, he descended. And he took captivity captive. And he gave gifts unto men. And he took Abraham's bosom, the place where the Old Testament saints were residing after they had died. And he carried it with him to heaven. So that now all those Testament saints that died in the faith are there with him in that invisible kingdom. And not only the Old Testament saints, but all the New Testament saints. Those that we read about in the scripture. Peter and John and James and Paul. Amen. And not only those, but all of our forefathers. And all of our loved ones that have gone on before. For the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You're never going to see death. Death has no dominion. What do you mean by that? 
you'll never know the awfulness of death because the moment you take your last breath, what we call death becomes life. The moment you are absent from the body, immediately you are present with the Lord. The, the body returns to the ground and the dust from which it came. But the spirit returns to God who gave it. So that, that invisible kingdom includes God, Christ, the angels, the Old Testament, the New Testament saints, and all of those who have trusted in him and made him the Lord of their lives. And though we can't see it, it's real. Amen. And then there is the visible kingdom. And that's the present kingdom of heaven on earth. That's where he rules and reigns in your heart. Now that's a visible kingdom. You see it every Sunday morning. You see it every time we come together. What you're looking at is not the back of somebody else's head. What you're looking at is a visible kingdom of heaven. Because Christ by faith now dwells in the hearts of his people. My father and I have come and we made our abode in you. So he lives in you and the kingdom of heaven is within you. And that is a visible kingdom. Because you made him Lord in Christ and he dwells in you. And it's not only just visibly locally, but it's a universal kingdom. Because we're not the only part of the kingdom of heaven that's meeting this morning. Uh, right down the street, Council Roads Baptist is meeting. Right, right down the street, other local bodies, First Nazarene's meeting. And not only in Oklahoma, but all the way across the United States and all the way around the world, some in the midst of great persecution like in China, but those believers that have made Christ their Lord and He rules and reigns in their heart, they are meeting together. And they are the visible kingdom of heaven. You can see it and touch it and feel it because we are his children and we are in his kingdom and then there's not only that uh, visible kingdom we are a city that is set on the hill we're salt and light and leaven in fact the Bible said now because we're his kingdom we are to shine his lights in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation we're to let our, our, our works uh, and our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our father which is in heaven but not only is it uh, invisible and visible but there is an eternal kingdom and that's what I read to you about in Revelation chapter 11 that there would come a time when all the kingdoms of this earth would be destroyed but there would be established the eternal kingdom of God that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ and they will rule forever and forever in the Bible in the New Testament it says it like this thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven now there's a dichotomy there because when he says thy kingdom come the word come in the Greek is in the point tense which means it's not something that happens gradually but it is something that happens suddenly and immediately he is saying first of all thy kingdom come Right now, immediately, suddenly. And he's talking about that eternal kingdom that is yet to come when the Lord comes to establish his rule and reign on this earth. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom reign right now. Let everything on earth be done just as expediently 
and efficiently and immediately as it's done in heaven because he rules right now. But what we're looking forward to is not just the invisible kingdom, not just the visible kingdom, but the eternal kingdom. And in the Greek, there's two word, There's one word, Maranatha, which means the Lord is coming. But that word is also used in the Greek another way. It's hyphenated. And when they hyphenate it, it says Maranatha. Maranatha, Maranatha. Maranatha means king come right now. Establish your eternal kingdom. But Maranatha means he's already come. This is the dichotomy. His kingdom has already come in you. You are a part of the kingdom of heaven. Adopted into the body of Christ. He rules and reigns in authority in your life right now. But thy kingdom come, O Lord. Come and establish your earthly eternal kingdom. And that time is yet to come. When Jesus himself will appear from heaven. Clothed in a vesture dipped with blood. Crowned with many crowns. A sharp two-edged sword going out of his mouth. So that he can destroy the Antichrist with the brightness of his glory. That moment that he comes and takes the false prophet and the Antichrist. And casts them into the lake of fire. And he binds the devil for a thousand years. And he comes to Jerusalem. And he sits up on the throne of his father David. And he, as the Prince of Peace, rules and reigns for a thousand years. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I, you know I can't sing. I, I've explained to you how my grandkids laugh about my singing. Because the last time I sang for him, I killed Devin's goldfish. He never has forgiven me for that. But I've asked the Lord to let me sing on that day. Because the Bible says when Jesus returned, we return with him. And we're watching the battle. He's going to fight it, not you. And when it's over, he starts up toward Jerusalem to establish his eternal kingdom. And somebody leads a song. And it goes like this because it's in your body, your Bible. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. Lift up your head, you gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And Jesus is going to establish that earthly kingdom. We'll rule and reign with him for a thousand long years. At the end of that reign, the devil's loose for a little 